This is The Winner's Take with host Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck and professional sports handicapper Dave Esler. Welcome into Winner's Take. As always, I'll be your host, Nelson Rowdy Raisbeck, joined by professional sports better Dave Esler. You want to find any of our work, you can follow us on Twitter. Mine is at Rowdy underscore Razor. Dave's is at Dave underscore Esler, or you can find some of his work at pregame.com. Dave, uh, we're we're getting close to the end of June. So far, having a pretty good month of June overall for the podcast. I know we had to push this one off a day, but we wanted to get two podcasts out this week because we've, we've kind of uh, missed the two-a-week thing here the last few weeks. But uh, getting back on schedule, how are you doing here? We're getting close to 4th of July. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited. You know, getting close to the All-Star break when I can take one day to preview the, the starting series after the break and two and a half days to finish up some college football stuff so it'll be a nice little deviation from the from the routine well i think they say that money never sleeps and neither does dave essler um i well put it this way i do sleep rowdy but when i'm awake i'm usually working that's fair that's fair here let's look at our first major league baseball game so like i said here we pushed this one back for friday we're recording friday afternoon So the first three games we go through in Major League Baseball, they're going to be for Friday, June 30th. The second three games we go through are going to be for Saturday, July 1st. So without further ado, Dave, let's look at our first game. Very first game we're looking at here for Friday, June 30th. Going to be a 6.05 Central Time first pitch. Going to be the Minnesota Twins traveling to Baltimore to take on the Orioles. Pablo Lopez on the mound for the Twins. Dean Kremer on the mound for the Baltimore Orioles. What are you thinking for this one, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I suspected most people would see Lopez and and love the Twins here. And what's interesting here is that total seems to be creeping up in spite of the rested bullpens both teams had yesterday off. Uh, The Minnesota pen has been tremendous, even before the rest. And the Orioles pen had been in implosion mode, which would have made it hard to take Baltimore for the full game. I mean, Kramer does have some impressive numbers, but it looks a little deeper. He's also had run support to the tune of five or more runs in nine of his 16 starts, which makes me, of course, say take the Twins. Uh, Lopez is obviously the better starter, but he's always given up some. The interesting thing here, he has been an underdog four times this season, Lopez has, and he's lost all four. So I'm not going to buck that trend. I'm going to take the Orioles for the first five and for the full game. So Dave likes the Orioles in the first five and the full game. I I looked at this one, Dave, and it was kind of some of the things you said. Pablo Lopez hasn't been as good with Minnesota as he was with Miami. He's given up more runs, hasn't been as good just with his splits and in general. Kramer hasn't been that great either. I actually lean to the over eight and a half. I figured that this would be a game where I think both teams could get to four. The one that I actually looked at and I, I kind of liked was actually a pitching prop. I, I kind of like the Dean Kramer over five and a half strikeouts against the Twins. And the reason why I like that one is when you look at his numbers here, in the month of June, he's actually averaging as many Ks as innings pitched. So, you know, nine Ks per nine. And if you look at what Kramer has kind of been logging, he's logged pretty much five innings plus all but two starts. And those two starts actually came the first three of the season. And then I look at Minnesota and the strikeouts. Minnesota is the worst team in Major League Baseball when it comes to striking out. 
they are number one with 838 strikeouts. And just for an example, number two is the San Francisco Giants. They have 783. They have 55 more strikeouts than the second worst team. So I do like Dean Kramer over for strikeouts at five and a half, I believe the number is. Yeah, I, I love that. You talked me You talked me into it. I mean, Minnesota, as you said, I mean, they're averaging 10.2 strikeouts per game. So, yeah, you probably have to like that one, and I might follow you on that. Well, I'm just looking at how, uh, you know, Kremer has been lately, and the fact that for a full month he's getting about a strikeout per inning, and then on top of that you're going to throw in the worst strikeout team that doesn't have a ton of familiarity with. That might be one that I save for the end of the podcast for best bets. Um, yeah, I get it. And that's one where the books might, you know, kind of overlook it a little bit. You know, I mean, you're going to have your 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 books are going to be all over the sort of McClanahan props. You know, they're not going to make a mistake on them. John Gray, Paxton, um, you know, and whatnot. So, yeah, a guy like Kremer, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're not right there. I like it. All right. Looking at game number two for Friday night. Going to be a 6.05 first pitch. This one actually on Apple TV+. Plus. Going to be the Milwaukee Brewers traveling to Pittsburgh to take on the Pirates. You have Freddie Peralta on the mound for the Brewers, and you have Osvaldo Bidu on the mound for the Pirates. I got a few more props that I liked in this one as well, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I did get into the props, and you would know you're the Brewers fan. You know, the Pirates swept the Padres, and it was kind of kudos for doing that. But, you know, the Padres are kind of a hot mess right now. Um, but look at the Pirates, though. It's a confidence thing, and you know, to, to sweep anyone. And, and I don't bet against Swagger, even if it's Pittsburgh. An interesting thing I found, um, I guess it probably shouldn't have surprised me, but I guess it did. The Pirates are six games over 500 in games decided by three or less, uh, and 15 and 25 in games decided by four or more. So they're very good in close games if they don't get blown out. Uh, you know, and, of course, we have the road, Peralta, yada, yada, yada. But he just beat the Pirates 12 days ago, and we know what to do with that. I'm not betting into the Brewers bullpen right now, so the Pirates' first five or first five run line, uh, even though I do have Beto trepidations, that's the bet to make. Yeah, and we talked about this this morning. One that I actually gave out on the show was I like the Pittsburgh Pirates in the first five on the run line. I think you're getting good value. Brewers haven't seen Beto. We all know the Freddie Peralta isn't as good on the road as he is at home, and you mentioned how he saw them just – you know, week and a half ago, and he pitched pretty well. So now it's on the road, and the, the Pirates will get an opportunity to make adjustments. I think we agree. Pittsburgh in the first five, you want to play it on the, the money line or the run line either way. But I did have a couple of props that I looked at. Go for it. You've got me convinced. First one I like. I'm going to go with the longtime Pirate, one-time Brewer, and now back to being a Pirate. Give me Andrew McCutcheon to get a hit. Uh, this morning, that was minus a buck 65. The reason why I liked McCutcheon to get a hit here, he's four for six career-wise against Freddie Peralta. We already know that Freddie Peralta gives up more runs and more home runs on the road. They're playing in PNC Park. And then I did a little digging uh, because I know that Andrew McCutcheon is a, is a splits guy. He's actually hitting 298 this year against right-handed pitching, which Freddie Peralta is, which is much better than he is against lefties. And then on the flip side, Andrew McCutcheon was also hitting in the upper 290s at home in PNC Park, which was much better than his roughly 240 on the road. So I think uh, all of that combined, I liked Andrew McCutcheon to get a hit minus a buck 65. Uh, the second prop that I liked, give me the Osvaldo Bidu over in case. I was looking at it, 
His over is four and a half, but the Brewers are a team that strike out a ton. It's kind of like the the Twins here. Twins are number one. Brewers are number four in Major League Baseball with strikeouts. They haven't seen Bidu, and I got to imagine for him to get this five for us, he's probably got to go at least four innings, and I think the lack of familiarity and the fact that he's went four to six innings every single start so far – I think that that four and a half is very reachable. So I like the Andrew McCutcheon to get a hit prop. And I do like the Osvaldo Bidu to go over four and a half strikeouts. Yeah, that's a pretty cheap price on McCutcheon to get a hit, really. I mean, usually guys that you kind of halfway expect to get a hit are, are minus 200 or more. So I think that's a great bet. And what I really like what you did there is, you know, we both like Pittsburgh. So we're kind of expecting Pittsburgh to score. So naturally, the props are on Pittsburgh. So yeah, for sure, um, solid work there, buddy. I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it up. Andrew McCutcheon this morning was minus a buck sixty-five. Currently at a Fanduel, it's minus a buck eighty. So it it has come up a little bit. Yeah, but that's still reasonable. I mean, I released a prop bet this morning, and it went from from plus two ten to plus one eighty. So it doesn't take a lot of money to move the prop markets. So um, you know, a twenty cent move it doesn't surprise me. Uh, at least you know you're in good company. I'm all propped out for the for the podcast for the most part uh, on this one. I, I did my work uh, the first two. So we're going to look at the third and final game here for the June 30th Friday slate. Last game we're going to look at, it's going to be a 7-15 Central Time. New York Yankees heading to St. Louis to take on the Cardinals. Luis Severino on the mound for the Yankees. Matthew Libator on the mound for the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, when I looked at this last night, as much as the Yankees have been in sort of free-fall mode since Judge went down, I thought I'd love them as short favorites. So I go to sleep with that thought. Then I looked this morning, the lines flipped them to being short underdogs or, or at least the Cardinals' slight favorites. And most of the early bets are on the under, uh, and the total's still holding at a kind of a weak nine and a half. I do think it might come down, but with how good the Yankees' pen's been lately, um, I don't think I can take that over. Uh, even with how hittable Libertor has been uh, and how bad the Cardinals' bullpen's been, which, of course, makes me wonder why the line's doing what it's doing. So uh, someone knows something I don't. Uh, there's way too much fishiness going on here. But if I have to bet a side, I'd go with my work over the market right now and take the Yankees. Uh, but I bet I love here is the Yankees team total over. I believe it's four and a half. I mean, it's blazing hot there, uh, as it always is in, in June, July in, in St. Louis. Um, so we might see that St. Louis pen rather – sooner rather than later, uh, and that pen is, isn't any better than Libertor himself is. And, of course, being on the road, we know our, we're going to get our, our full complement of 27 outs. So Yankees team total over there for me, buddy. Yeah, Dave going to go with the Yankees team total over. I looked at this game. I didn't really have any super strong opinions on the game. I was kind of – I had two initial thoughts, maybe the the Cardinals in the first five. Uh, but I, you know, I I wouldn't put any money on that. I'm not confident in that. The only reason is, is the Yankees' offense hadn't been great, especially since we've seen when Judge has been on the IL, the Yankees' offense has stunk. When Judge is healthy, the Yankees' offense has been pretty good. Um, I, I fade them without Judge and facing a left-handed pitcher. But then you look at Libertor and he's not great. So uh, it was just a St. Louis first five lean. And honestly, because of lack of familiarity between Libertor and the Yankees and then Severino and the Cardinals, I actually leaned to the first five under. Didn't want to have to deal with the Cardinals' bullpen 
but you already kind of mentioned that. So just just two leans for me in this game. Not super confident. Ah, fair enough. You know, I wasn't super confident in much of anything until I kind of stumbled on that total. And, you know, that's what happens when you handicap. If you go into it with a preconceived notion, you're going to find what you're looking for uh, to verify it. And if you don't, which, you know, those of us like you and I that do this all the time, you know, you're going to uncover things as you go along. And, you know, the props and, and, and these team totals are things that you generally uncover. In other words, you don't go into it looking for them. And those are usually better bets to make because you're, it's all your work, uh, not the market. So uh, you have, you know, you can't be jaded, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like I would be with the side in this particular game. So yeah, solid. I like it. I feel like Dave, and I know we've had this discussion before that if you go into a game looking for a side, whether that be, you know, the Cardinals or the Yankees or just a side in general, it never turns out as well as if you just go in blind. Yep. It's hard to do, but easier to win. All right. Going to, change gears here we're going to look at the july 1st slate this will be for saturday uh first game on the docket we're going to go to a 310 first pitch it's going to be the san francisco giants taking on the new york mets anthony discalfani on the mound for the giants justin verlander on the mound for the mets dave what are you thinking for this one yeah a tough one i mean everybody's gonna like verlander he's the name but i mean Descalfani's sneaky good at times so i I, I, I try not to jump to any conclusions, um, especially true with, you know, Carrasco's throwing Friday night for the Mets, which has the potential to get into that already bad Mets bullpen sooner. So that would put even more pressure on Verlander. And if you look at Descafani's splits, you can easily see how dominant he's been on the road. Um, but he made most of those strides early in the season because his May-June numbers are really pretty terrible. His, his whip is uh, a, a buck and a half over the last seven starts. Uh, but the Mets haven't seen him except for Brandon Belt, who is actually five for seven with a home run. So there's your player prop for Saturday. Uh, but when I put all this together, and I know it's Carrasco, uh, I can only look at the first five under. I mean, I have to throw out the pens. Uh, and I would even if Friday weren't happening. There's just too much volatility slash variance going on there. So if I'm betting that game, I'm taking the first five under. Yeah, I agree with you, Dave. I looked at this one and I figured – Discalfani, Verlander, who's everyone going to bet? Probably Verlander, even though their numbers are pretty similar. Uh, I actually came to the the bet of a San Francisco first five on the run line because I'm, I'm looking it up here. And according to this look-ahead line on DraftKings, right now you have Mets currently favored, but they're minus a buck 65 favorites so i feel like i could get pretty decent money on the san francisco run line in the first five and it's just because justin verlander hasn't pitched the greatest this year he's been touched up and that new york mets offense it's not very good i mean giants have a better offense d scalfani is arguably for lack of name been just as good i'll take san francisco on that uh first five run line and it'd probably be at plus money if i had to guess yeah, I probably will, and you'll actually probably get a better a better price for the first five than you would for the full game. Full game would have factored in that shitty Mets bullpen, so you you definitely should be able to get plus money and basically anything anything a tie or worse, you're going to win that bet. I like it. I also leaned a little to the over in the first five just because both guys have been roughed up a little bit, and the Mets have seen DiScalfani before, but that was more of just a lean. Yeah, I mean, I just can't with the, the potential upside Verlander has. And the potential downside uh, the Mets offense has. But, you know, if I were to do it, yes. But I just don't. Too many things would have to come together for that bet to cash, I think. So 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that as a lean for sure. So that'll be our first game for Saturday. Second game we're going to look at on Saturday, also going to be a 310 Central Time first pitch. Miami Marlins traveling to Atlanta to take on the Braves. Estery Perez on the mound for the Marlins. Charlie Morton on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Dave, I looked at a couple of things here. I, th- I thought this was kind of an interesting line. Um, it is, and I'll tell you right now, I'll almost blindly take Perez and the fish for the first five innings. I mean, all he's done is given up one run total in his last six starts, and he's gone at least five innings in all of them. I mean, what more do you want? And, and I thought perhaps Atlanta had seen him this season, uh, given they're in the same division, but they have not. Uh, and not only have the fish beaten, uh, been beaten by Morton this season, uh, but they got a ton of exposure on him from from other seasons. And Morton, I think he's starting to show his age, of, you know, and maybe some in season fatigue. I mean, over his last seven starts, his ERA is over five. Uh, he's getting wins, but he's getting a ton of run support, which I don't think happens Saturday. So I am all in on Miami for the first five innings. Well, we are in an agreement here, and the reason why I liked Miami in the first five, it, it's because Perez has been really good. He hasn't seen the Braves. And then, I mean, Morton, you kind of mentioned it. He's been around forever. Marlins have seen him. Hasn't necessarily been good at home. But I want to point out one thing why I actually liked Miami in the first five versus San Francisco first five on the run line. It's because these are interdivision foes. Where I feel like if if Miami is going to get to Morton, they have an opportunity to, to score more runs in my mind because they're more familiar with him than San Francisco would of Verlander, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I'm with you. And then the other one that I leaned with, I leaned with this game being under 10. It just seemed high. Yeah, I would agree with that, too. I mean, I don't think both teams are going to go off. I mean, you know, I I don't think Atlanta is going to get more than three, uh, honestly, maybe four. But I doubt even that. And if they do, it's off the Miami bullpen. And, you know, you never know what you're going to get with Morton. He can be lights out, but a familiar foe. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you see 10. I mean, you look at it this way, you bet under 10, you actually need 11 runs scored to lose the game. And, you know, that's a lot of runs. Uh, you know, that's a 5-5 five, five plus game. So I, I like that a lot, too. Yeah, I couldn't, like you said, Perez, he might give up a couple, but I don't see him getting blown up, even if the Marlins bullpen gives up some. But, the like, the flip side, it's like this Miami Marlins offense isn't that great. I don't, I don't think the Braves, who have been really, really hot, can put up eight runs against, you know, this Marlins team. I'm seeing here now in some spots they put it to uh, nine with some vig on the the over. So it looks like that number is going to come way down anyways. Yeah, yeah, I don't uh, – yeah, well, if you can grab a ten, grab it, or even a nine and a half, I, I would still make that bet. But, you know, the other thing you could actually do is, you know, hope for a relatively low-scoring first five and, and then take an in-game under later. But, you know, those are those are things that – you know, professional batters will look for because they can actually watch all the games and you kind of have an idea of what you want to do going in. So that's just food for thought out there, really. Not necessarily a, a bet I'm going to make, but if anybody is watching and, you know, it is nothing or nothing um, after a couple of innings, um, you know, if you can get like an eight, you're probably even good. So I would, I would definitely do that. All right, Dave, moving on to our final game here of the Saturday slate. Going to go to a 9.07. This is the latest game on Saturday night. 9.07 Central Time first pitch. Arizona Diamondbacks taking on the Los Angeles Angels. Ryan Nelson on the mound for the Diamondbacks. 
Tyler Anderson on the mound for the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, I yeah, may I put this one on here. So I, I know you like this game, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be brief. I mean, let's do this by default. I can't back Tyler Anderson. I mean, his his ERA is over five everywhere he pitches all season, home road, uh, yada yada yada. Recently, early, uh, and his whip is like a buck and a half. So that makes it difficult. Um, having said that, he could strike out a lot of people, but you know, I I just don't see that as uh, basically an option that I could take, especially when you add in the Angels bullpen with a, an ERA over five over the last week. So let's look at Arizona. I mean, Nelson has come uh, with a little bit of headlines, but the Arizona, uh, but you know, he, he's. I looked this morning. Let me look here again real quick. It looked like he was kind of going backwards a little bit, uh, but he is very good on the road. But he still he still has some weaknesses there. So you know, I, I you know he he did throw seven innings and, and and only gave up three hits against San Francisco, uh, but. Uh, you know, and I was thinking, well, that maybe got his pitch count up there, but it really wasn't any higher. So, uh, you know, can he do that again? I don't know. Is he overvalued? Perhaps, but I would have to take him over uh, Anderson. So, uh, and the Diamondbacks have a much better bullpen. So, you know, I, I would look at Arizona here for sure. Um, I, I almost want to make a case for the over, but I really want to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So I looked at this game and I knew Tyler Anderson wasn't having a good season. And I know Ryan Nelson has kind of been a mixed bag. So I dug into it a little bit more. Actually, ERA-wise, Ryan Nelson has been slightly the best he's ever been in the month of June. And then Tyler Anderson has actually kind of had his worst month in June, and it's not like he had any good months prior. But then the other thing in the back of my mind is Ryan Nelson is a guy that only – he's in his first full major league season. Flip side, Tyler Anderson, he pitched for the Dodgers – And then before that, he pitched for the Rockies. The only other time he was in a uniform, not the Angels, was all uh, NL West, exactly where the Diamondbacks play. They've seen him a decent amount, even with this younger Diamondbacks team. I I just felt like I'm going to cut the bullpens off and not even have to worry about them. I like Arizona plus the money. It looks like right here on the uh, look-ahead line at DraftKings, you can get the Diamondbacks at plus one twenty ish for the first five innings. Hey, you won't, you won't, you won't get me to talk you off that limb, and and you know because they have such a good bullpen uh, advantage. Uh, obviously, based on what might happen Friday, I still I like the Diamondbacks for the full game if I like them for the first five. Uh, they're also typically uh, from memory better against left-handed hitters than most people might think. So yeah, I mean we. We more or less agree there all the way around. Yeah, just the Diamondbacks' offense in general has been really good this year. I think overall they're in the top 10 for all Major League Baseball teams, no matter which hand, both hitting and OPS-wise. So, yeah, Diamondbacks having a good year, and that's why they lead the NL West. There you go. All right, Dave. So we ran through our Major League Baseball slates, both for Friday, June 30th, and Saturday, July 1st. I know we're going to give out some of our major league best bets later, but I wanted to kind of uh, have a, an opportunity for you to talk about some of the NFL and college football futures that you've been sitting on. Yeah, I, I sat on this one a little too long to give out, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, the New York football giants, I like their regular season win total under um, it's seven and a half. Now it was eight and a half. So I'm not alone. Um, I obviously like eight and a half a whole lot better. I think he'd get nine and a half minus 160. 
um, please do it and let your parents mortgage. Um, you know, for starters, there's the whole NFC East. I mean, the Eagles aren't going anywhere. Um, Cowboys are above average, and even the Commanders are a projected seven-win team. So they have exactly zero NFC East games we can call wins. Uh, I believe, in fact, they were like one and five in the NFC East last year. Um, I think they won. They won. I know they only won one division game. I think they might have tied one, um, but they scored. I think last year that offense more than twenty-seven points just once. That was against the Colts, who are hapless. And in the next to the last game, when when all the Colts were they were worse than hapless. So I went. You go to look at this year's schedule. They open up at home against Dallas. You got to figure Dallas is going to win, but it is a home opener with the crowd and whatnot. But that you know, the four of the next five games are on the road. Uh, it's likely they'll be underdogs in 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 all of them. I mean, from memory, I think they play San Francisco, Buffalo, and Miami uh, all on the road in three out of four weeks. So you know, I've never been a Daniel Jones fan. Um, everyone's talking about him making quote unquote another quantum leap. Well, you look at his numbers; he should. He threw for a career high last year. Uh, the first season he played in every game, so there's always that. He threw for thirty two hundred yards. That's like nothing. I mean, that's like you know, nine games for, for Mahomes and Justin Herbert. Um, he's the 17th-ranked quarterback uh, pro football focus coming into this season, and I think that's being generous. And then you look at, we have a stat called a big-time throw rate, which means exactly what it what it sounds like is, is you know, throws you need to make. And he, he's coming in uh, with a number that's like less than 2%, which is bottom of the league, two years running. They got a rookie under center. You know, if he or Barkley can't stay on the field, which have been issues, I mean, the Giants are dead. I mean, they are going to start ugly with that schedule. Uh, and as much as I like Brian Dable, um, things have a real chance to go down uh, real fast and, and spiral. So I don't think they're going to win half their game. So I like the Giants under. What do you think? I think if I'm going to make an argument that agrees with you, it's that uh, I'm not the biggest Daniel Jones guy. And, yeah, I think he played his best season when he needed to. It was right when, you know, the the Giants had to make a decision. But do I think he can back it up and or be better than that? I I would be willing to bet against that, which is in favor of your under. And also, I think Brian Dayball got a lot of credit last year as being a really good, you know, NFL head coach where he gets the most out of his roster. I mean, can he do that again? You mentioned the start of the season. I'm just pulling it up here. First six weeks, I wouldn't be surprised if they were one in five in a worst case scenario you lose against Dallas well I'll give them a win against Arizona but then San Francisco L Seattle L Miami L Buffalo L and then that uh, Cardinals game that's probably the win I'm giving them that's on the road as well and then you mentioned San Francisco Miami Buffalo all road games that's a that's a tough six games to start yeah it is and you know they you know they'll talk last year about oh you didn't have his receivers you didn't have that well they've made some some they they've signed some free agents, but you know their their receivers might make my Patriots receivers look good realistically. I mean they got a few guys with some names that have you know had a few good fantasy games, but you know nothing that they're going to really be able to like. I mean they don't have a Jamar Chase or any of those kind of guys. I mean they've got a bunch of decent guys, so I, I just don't see it. And I really worry about them staying healthy, to be honest with you. And if I remember correctly, Dave, I think they won a lot of close games. I, I want to say they were in like the top three where Minnesota was one in, in, you know, best one score game records. And I want to say just based off of memory from last year, 
that their defense overall was a lot better than what their statistics said that they should have been. So maybe even if they revert back to what statistics would say, that defense isn't quite as good as what it was last year either. Well, I'm glad we kind of halfway agree on this one, buddy. So there you go. Dave does like the New York Giants under for the season win total. I believe it was at seven and a half. He said, maybe if you shop around, you could five and eight and a half, maybe a nine. What was the quote, Dave? If you find a nine, put your parents' mortgage on it. Yeah, pretty much. Nine and a half, I think you can buy for minus 160. All right. Did you have a a college win total you were looking at too? I do. I I like the Kansas Jayhawks over six. I mean, uh, for starters, they got the second most returning starters in college football. You know, and and last year was a team they reached their first bowl game in 15 years. Uh, I love Jalen Daniels, uh, their quarterback. I mean, he's probably one of the better ones in the conference, and that's saying something. Uh, So they're going to have one of the more explosive offenses. And look at their schedule. They have a chance to start 4-0 before they head into conference play. They get Central Florida at home, maybe a 5-1 start. Home games against Oklahoma, K-State, and Texas Tech. Uh, They need to win two to exceed this total. Uh, And honestly, at six, I don't see how this bet loses. It could push, but it won't lose. So, yeah, I like the Jayhawks to, to overperform this year. That's a Wisconsin guy as the head coach. Lance Leipold was the longtime UW-Whitewater coach, obviously, before moving on to Buffalo and then Kansas. But, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at – I just pulled up their schedule. Uh, I'm looking at – I think Missouri State is a W. This one might be tough. I know that Jaden Daniels is back, but I'm just looking at it. Illinois, if they can find a quarterback, should be okay. Well, that's if. Yeah. I'm looking at Nevada. I don't know a ton, but it is at Nevada. But they do, Nevada. they do get an extra day of, of prep because they play on a Friday against Illinois. Is it just me or is it like BYU can be really good some years and really crappy other years? Yeah, and I think they got that game at home. It is at home. At yep. Texas will be tough. Home against UCF. Uh, UCF yep. hasn't been necessarily the UCF that you normally think of, like uh, when they were competing for their – quote-unquote, national championship. At Oklahoma State will never be easy. Oklahoma's not as good as they used to be. At least they weren't year one under Venable. No, um, and they get, they get that one at home. At Iowa State, uh, what is Iowa State looking like? Winnable. Uh, Texas Tech is winnable. I know yep. Kansas State graduated some uh, decent players. And then at Cincinnati, which is getting a coaching chain shakeup and lost some of their top recruits too, uh, the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, there you go. I, I don't see less than six on there. and You can get a solid six. I'd do it. Yeah, I'm thinking for sure I can see them winning probably three games with nine toss-ups, but you count, you know, split that in half. That's seven or eight wins, I guess you would say. Yeah, well, you can bet against me. <laughs> no, this is just one that uh, I think I've seen your Giants, and I think what did you else have? Uh, Kentucky over Florida under I guess I just me just being a general observer of these going through them I think the the Kentucky and Florida ones would be uh more of my my favorite two thumbs up this one I'll give one thumbs up you don't have to it's (laughs) fine I'll give it two in November (laughs) and that's all you care about yep you got you got it All right, so Dave liking a college football win total for the Kansas Jayhawks. He does like them to go over the six-and-a-half wins. So there's uh, two more football futures, an NFL and a college. Dave, before we're out of here, 
Let's uh, let's give out some best bets for our Major League Baseball slate Friday or Saturday or both. Um, well, I'll give you both. Um, I like the Yankees team total over tonight, um, and I like more the uh, Marlins first five tomorrow. So those would be two I'll go with. I might even put an extra little sprinkle of salt on that Marlins over. I mean, I I like that quite a bit. So, Dave, you are going to go with the New York Yankees team total over. And the second one, sorry, I was writing this down, was the Miami Marlins. Yep. Uh, First five tomorrow over the Atlanta Braves. That would be your Perez versus Morton. There you go. So Dave's two best bets. He's going to go with the New York Yankees team total over and the Miami Marlins in the first five on the money line. I was uh, looking at some of these here, Dave, and I think I'm going to go with my best bet for tonight is going to be Dean Kramer K's over the five and a half. And then I think for tomorrow, I'm going to go with the very last game Saturday night on the slate. I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first five innings on the money line. That should be plus money as of right now. So that that'll be our four for uh, the podcast here for Friday. And just to uh, let everyone know, we will have a podcast uh, July 3rd, a, a Monday before July 4th. So if you're just chilling for your 4th of July week, we should have a podcast coming out. Get back to giving out uh, two podcasts per week. I think we only did one one week, but I could be wrong. Oh, yeah, we did. We did one, I think, a few weeks now. I think we uh, did one. I think we did one the week I flew up there, but I think we've done two most of the time. And yeah, we're certainly, certainly going to do that going forward. I mean, that's been the intent, but scheduling things do happen. Yeah, and and like you said, after this weekend, you know, for the long haul, we shouldn't have too many one one episode weeks anymore. But yeah, just just again, best bets for this podcast going to go with the New York Yankees team total over for Friday. And then Dave is going to take the Miami Marlins in the first five on the money line Saturday. I'm going to take Dean Kramer K's over for the strikeout prop tonight. And then I'm going to go with the Arizona Diamondbacks in the first five innings on the money line tomorrow. But uh, as always, continue to share this with your friends. Uh, please like, download, subscribe, uh, write us a review if you're enjoying it, or maybe uh, some constructive criticism or things we could work on or talk about. I know uh, Dave and I have went over some of Dave's theories when it comes to, you know, betting baseball and, and the rematches and stuff like that. So yeah, just uh, keep sharing it along. And until then let's continue to make some money. The winner's take is your podcast for everything gambling at madcitysportszone.com in the zone app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen, rate, subscribe.